Morning, church. You should have a booklet. If you don't, please raise your hand. They'll make sure you have one. It goes along with what we're talking about this morning. There's also other information in there that uh, might be helpful to you. You Feel free to uh, make sure that uh, you uh, use it. Um, Our presentation's called, oh, okay, we're not up here yet. Part of it's there. Mm. There we are. Technology is great if it works. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, we call our presentation radical stewardship because that word radical comes from a root word meaning to be rooted. And this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you biblical principles that deal with money. Uh, I need to say right up front that I'm not after your money, okay? You take your hand away from your wallet. I'm not after it, all right? Uh, I'm wanting to share with you uh, what the, the Word of God says uh, in this whole area of biblical stewardship. Um, let's start with some scripture. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. I want those words, those, that phrase, but is not rich towards God, linger in your mind, okay? The Bible went on to say, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no, no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're, we're talking about biblical principles in, in uh, the whole area of personal finance. <clears throat> and we're going to start off with uh, each one. We'll go through each one of these areas. But the first one is find the spot marked X. In other words, where are you financially? We're going to talk about setting financial goals. And of course, once you set a goal, then you have to determine how you reach that. That's what you call creating a financial plan. Number four, in our churches, we do a pretty good job helping our people understand the tithe that belongs to God. But we've never gone over to that other 90%, or very seldom we go over there. But we're going to go there this morning, okay? Um, Number five, plan for retirement. Uh, Some of you here are retired. The rest of us here wish you were. We were, I mean. 
And uh, number six, doing the final touches of state planning. So we'll, we'll cover all these in a more individual lay, way. Um, principle number one, find the spot in Mark's text. It's difficult to follow directions if you don't know where you are. <clears throat> Every time I go to Edmonton, I go to that West Edmonton Mall. And uh, I, I do it basically just to be able to walk around. But uh, uh, I, uh, there you, you will find a, a directory of all the stores. And say, say you're looking for, I don't know, say a stu- shoe store. You could, you could find what stores are there. But in order to find, really find that store, you have to find a little square with an X marked in it. You are here, right? Like, it's difficult to follow directions if you don't know where you are. Um, generally, when I go there, I go to talk with people, generally guys, who are sitting. <laughs> and um, I remember last time I was there, I found a couple guys sitting around, and I said to them, you guys, it was about two in the afternoon, you guys been sitting here long? And they said, no, we, uh, we're just waiting. And I said, well, um, how long are you going to wait? He says, well, the store closes at 9. <laughs> I said, did you give them their credit card? He said, no way. <laughs> anyway, it's difficult to follow directions if you don't know where you are. Now, the same is true with your money. If you really don't know where you are financially, it's pretty hard for me to get you anywhere. So I want to start with, how do you find the spot marked X? Um, first thing you have to promise me is this. You will be honest. Like money is such a, a personal, private thing in our lives, okay? And uh, it's, it's not hard to try and hide all this stuff. But if you're really going to find out where you are, you have to be honest. Secondly, you have to be open. Like everything has to be on the table. There can be no surprises. All the credit cards, any undue payments, uh, like everything has to be there. Thirdly, be thoughtful. Uh, how did you get to this spot? Like, whether you're doing well financially or not well financially, sitting down, thinking things through, how do I handle my money, could be a good exercise. If you're not doing well, maybe it's not all your fault. Um, maybe you've been laid off work and haven't been able to find a job. Or you've been sick and yet uh, can't go to work, but the bills keep coming in. Or maybe you understand when I say parenting doesn't quit when the kids leave home. All right? Um, on the other hand, you know, uh, if you're not doing well financially, maybe it is your fault. Maybe you haven't put into place the very basic things of how to handle your money. You, you never keep track of where you spend it. You haven't taken the time to make out a budget. So sitting down, thinking things through might, might be a good aspect for you. When you talk about money, it's okay to get emotional. As I cross the country, there are a lot of people who are afraid. Um, they don't know. They maybe you know the, what was in two thousand eight. The markets really went down. A lot of money was lost. They're saying, well, you know, the market has gone up since then. But is, is, will there be another crash? Like, or maybe you understand also that money has a lot to do with relationships. And I, I kind of like this slide because it says an awful lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On the other side, when we talk about money, we need to be hopeful. The Bible has so much to say about this subject. 
I'm told that in the scripture there's over 2,350 verses in the Bible that deals with money. 16 of the 38 parables in the Gospels deal with this subject. So there's a lot of scripture. Let's, let's look at some of that this morning. Let's, let's start with Matthew. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow or worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. The Bible says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, again, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's get back to finding that spot marked X. Um, really where you are financially. We call it the double O law of finances. Now, you're going to have to work with me on this, Okay. The first O relates to everything that you. The second O relates to everything that you. Now, you take one O from the other O, you get your. Now, every time you go to a financial institution to borrow money, that's what they're after. How much are you really worth? That's when I hope you don't have to say, uh-oh, zero, zero. Let's, let's give an illustration. Uh, uh, everything that we own or House or real estate. Let's let's put some figures in there just for uh, a list of what we own. Uh, this guy he has a house worth about three fifty, automobiles of twenty two, an, an RV of forty eight, mutuals of sixteen, TFSA of twelve, bit of cash in the bank eight hundred. So the total of what he owns is four hundred forty eight thousand eight hundred. Okay, that's the first O. Now let's go to the second O, which means how much do we owe? Uh, he owes on his house 245 yet. Automobiles, he still owes 12. RV getting it down here, 18. Remember, I said everything had to be on the table. Mother-in-law. So the total of what he owes is 283,000. Take one from the other, you get your net worth. Now, I want you to put your own figures in there. Everything that you own, take away everything that you owe. And that's where I want to start. The spot marked X. Principle number two. Now, once you know where you are and where you want to be, is you're going to set some goals. And we're going to talk about uh, short-term goals. We'll talk about long-term goals a little later on. But on pages eight, seven and eight in your booklet, there's all kinds of suggestions of goals that you may want to consider. Pick out the goals that you want. Write them down. In fact, here's some parameters to do that. Goals need to be specific. They need to be measurable, attainable, realistic, within a certain time frame. Okay? Once you've set these goals, you see, goal setting is so important. Read the acoustic. It's a smart thing to do to determine how you want to spend your money. Okay? So take the time to write out your goals. Once you've done that, then you have to determine how to reach them. That's what you call creating a financial plan. In creating a financial plan, the first thing I want you to do is this. Make a commitment to God. You know, it's amazing. As we take his word and actually read it, as we get down on our face before him, it's amazing how God comes to our assistance, isn't it? Okay? The Bible says it this way. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. I kind of like that verse because most of us want to be successful in life. If, you're going, if you will bring God into every aspect of your life, he's going to be able to help you. Okay? Make a commitment to God. 
Then get help from informed people and reliable resources in your church, in your community, all kinds of people whose expertise is money. I'm talking about bankers, lawyers, financial advisors, financial counselors, people who do taxes. Like if you're dealing with a financial situation, why don't you go to one of these people and ask them for some advice? Let them help you understand the situation and what alternatives you, you have to meet that particular situation. In fact, the Bible says it this way, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. Seeking to understand your situation is for your benefit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. So make a commitment to God. Get help from informed and reliable people. And then I want to do this old McDonald law of economics uh, I want you to use those E-I-E-I-O and on this okay. Those letters help us set up a financial plan. The first E-I stands for what's your expected income, whether it's wages or pensions, investments. Again, let's put some figures in there just for an example's sake. This guy, he makes about forty-five, fifty a month. He has some investments he gets about 198 from. He rents out a part of his house, he gets 750. Um, does some work on the side, he gets 300. So about his, his total expected income is about 5798. That's how much money he has to work with. That's the first EI. The second EI stands for how much money do you spend in a given month? We're going to talk about the Lord's share, household expenses, monthly payments. Again, let's let's complete our illustration. So our tithe would be at that, that would be about 580. Does about 175 in offerings. His household expenses are about 1010. Um, mortgage payment, utilities, about 2450. That's all the about 45. There's a little bit of savings, 340. But then you come to that category called other. 698 bucks. Like, do you really know where all your money goes? Um, that money you carry in your pocket or every time you swipe your interact, where is that money going? On page nine in your booklet, there's a 14-day challenge. Where for 14 days, you can write down every penny that you spend. Now, I like centering out the guys because, guys, it's not a life sentence. Okay? <laughs> all right? Try it for 14 days, all right? You'd be amazed where this money's going to. Like that's 698 is quite a bit of that 5798, right? So find out really where your money's going. Um, uh, so our, yeah, our in, expected income was 5798. Our expenses incurred were 5798. So our outcome now, before you think that's very negative, I wish I could get the people in our churches across the country doing at least that good. That's what you call a balanced budget, not spending any more than you make. You would be amazed, as I sit down with people, the number of people I sit with who are in heavy debt, spending way more than they make, okay? So... Um, that, that looks pretty good to me, all right? <laughs> but if you want to better the bottom line, there's one of two ways you can do it. We call it the fire ordinance. You can better the bottom line if, first of all, you make more money. And you can be as creative as you want. You can work longer time, uh, hour, longer hours at your place of employment. You can have a spouse who goes out to work so you're a two-income family. You can supply, uh, find a, uh, a need in your community and... Uh, supply that need and charge for it. Like, if you can make more money, your bottom line should come up. 
But oftentimes I get people who say, Pastor, that's not an option for me. Well, the only other option is this. Reduce expenses. Now, when it comes to reducing expenses, the first thing you have to tell me is this. What will you do without? Where will you cut back? Because you can't reduce expenses without doing that. In Canada, we're, we're kind of not into that kind of thing because we're bombarded with commercials and advertisements that tell us we need this new thing, that new gadget. And so we don't have a do-without list. We have a wish list, like a bigger home or newer car, bigger toys for bigger boys, all that kind of stuff. But if you're really going to reduce your expenses, you have to determine where you will cut back, and you need to do that because if you want me to do it, you won't believe me, Okay. Okay? It's kind of like no pain, no gain idea. All right? Um, Principle number four, manage your spending. Now, there's six important players in all of our lives, whether we're in the church or outside the church. The first important player, of course, is God. I have Canada Revenue Agency second. Do you know why I have that? I don't care where you live in Canada. They're going to find you. (laughs) You and your family. Our world circulates around our family. Our employer, a place we receive our principal income from. Our creditors, we bought products, received services. And there does come a time to pay, even though it may be 18 months down the road. There does come a time to pay. And our, our neighbor, very important player in our life as well. Let's look at that, these in a more individual way. Um, God comes first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. It's amazing how long we go generally before we finally sit down and take God into consideration. Maybe he can help us, you know. We'll try every other thing it seems and then finally we'll we'll resort back to God. The Bible says, listen, seek first him. Seek him first. He's able to help you. He's able, like in him is enough for us. And uh, seek him first because each day has enough trouble of its own. Um, then I come to Malachi where it says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house only verse in the Bible where God says test me in this Um, it's amazing when I talk about tithing I think of it in these terms when I walk in obedience to the word of God I invite God into my world When God's in my world, he works miracles because he's just that kind of a God. But then you walk in disobedience to the word of God. You're actually pushing God out of your life. You're telling him you know more, you know better, you know, you want it your way. I kind of like God in my world. It says, uh, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Um. A lot of people today are crying out to God to get closer to God, to God become more present in their lives. And we go to a great extent expressing that. But let me challenge you. Maybe your prayer should be, God, help me be obedient to your word, obedient to your laws. Like, when it says, this this, this one particular is bring the, the whole tithe into the storehouse. I, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. Uh, like, I've been around church in a long time. 
And I know it doesn't maybe happen here, but in other churches around the, you know, the continent, maybe, uh, you know, we give a little bit of our money to God, to the local church. We'll, we'll maybe, yeah, we'll support missions a little bit. If there's a special, you know, a special offer, we'll give a little bit, but, you know. Um, I wonder how many quads and C-do's God owns. You know what I mean? Yeah, bring the whole tithe. Listen, when you start walking in obedience to the word of God, God becomes more real and he will show up all the time for you. Okay? We need to understand that he, his, his, uh, his premise in, by giving us instruction is not to suppress us, not to beat us down. He wants to bless us. But so often because we don't walk in accordance to his word, we tie his hands so he can't. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that I made from my house. Okay, I'll, I'll go. I know. I'm kind of belaboring it, isn't it? I kind of like this interest. And he looked up. Jesus saw. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting in two very small Copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Very interesting. Listen, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The laws of God are always in effect. He goes on to say, each man should give what he determined his heart to give, not reluctantly and under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I like this part. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Very interesting portions of Scripture. I need to move on. God comes first. Now, the tax man. <laughs> I have a tech at the national office who I keep in contact quite often with because I'm technology all the time. But he got his tax form and he wasn't very happy with it. So he, he sat down in his typewriter and he, he sat there for a while. And then he comes up with this. I'm writing to cancel my subscription. <laughs> Please remove my name from your mailing list. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work, okay? <laughs> Let me give you good news first though. The government understands that it doesn't do a very good job of social services. Charities and volunteers can do a far better service. So they've made all kinds of tax concessions to encourage you and I to become involved in charitable giving. 40% of what you give to your church or to a charity will come back to you via a tax receipt. Other tax laws allow us to receive tax credits up to 75% of our taxable income. Okay. When, a chair, uh, when an estate gives to a charity, they can claim the total 100%. Very interesting laws out there. But the other news is we do live in one of the best countries in the world, and we need to make sure we pay our fair share of taxes. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. Now, now I get people who come to me who do taxes, and they, they tell me they still receive people who aren't getting their, their share back. Like, you can load down your tax stuff from your, the internet, which is a, a generic form. 
It may not just fit your particular situation and your lifestyle. So maybe it is to your advantage to get help when it comes to doing this, to make sure you're doing it properly. You and your family. Financial advisors tell me that we should have at least uh, an emergency fund of about three months set aside for when emergencies come. Don't raise your hand. How are you making out there? If you don't have something set aside, when emergencies come, then you have to use your credit card or your line of credit. Then you have to worry about paying down debt. You see, why, why don't you just set some money aside? Like, like I'm told that 60% of Canadians live from paycheck to paycheck. And yet we live in one of the richest countries in the world. How, how do you save? Let me give you some ideas. You may be using these already, one of them, or you may have your own. But let me give you a couple suggestions. The first one I use is this, the minus 10 technique. That one would be explained like this. When your paycheck comes in, take 10% off for the Lord's work. Then take another 10% off for your own saving. Okay? And make your budget on the 80% that's left. So 10, 10, 80. Kind of an interesting formula, but I don't see anybody getting excited about it. Uh, What about this one, the plus 10 technique? That would be explained like this. You pay all your bills for the month. Say the amount to, what, $3,200. Then you would take that 10% of that $3,200, which would be $320. You treat that like a bill, okay? But you put it into a savings. No? Okay. Okay. what about the day's due? When I'm home, I, I take my money out of my pocket and I put it on my dresser. And if there's any toonies, my wife, she takes them. <laughs> Why don't you go to your banker and ask him to take off $50, $7,500, like out of sight, out of mind? It, it's amazing, you know, how we, if we don't deliberately do it, we will spend everything that we have, Okay. The Bible says it this way. In the house of the wise are stores of choice foods and oils. But the verse doesn't quit there, does it? A foolish man devours all that he has. Yeah, I'll go on from there. I don't want to talk about your employer. We're going to talk about your creditor, though. The Bible says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower's servant to the lender. I want to talk about how to get out of debt. Uh, The Bible says, a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. You would be amazed if I I could explain to you how many people today don't mind debt. Okay? How do you get out of it, though? Stop credit card spending. Any form of borrowing. Yeah, I know we all know use our credit cards. But listen, if you don't pay them off at the end of each month, you pay high interest. Two things keep you poor, taxes and interest. Have you ever sat down and figured out how much interest you paid in a given year? Don't, you'll cry. All right? You'll spoil, spoil your day, all right? Um, pay off debts, charging the highest interest first. Like put the, you know, the... the, the the minimum on the other ones, but that one that's hard charged and a high interest. Put all you can on it. When you get it paid off, cut it up. You don't need it. Okay. Develop a budget. Many of you have a budget in your mind. Why don't you put it on paper? It should look something like this. Taking tithe and taxes off the top. Your housing should be 36%. Your food, and you can go through the list. Uh, on page 18 in your booklet, that, for, that list is there. It's called the spending plan. 
the benchmarks are there. Why don't you put your own figures in there and see how you measure up to them, okay? Um, Number four, exercise self-discipline as a lifestyle. Why is it when we see something we really like but don't have the money for it, we buy it anyway? (laughs) You know? Uh, we, we, uh, we go through this kind of mental gym, gym, gymnastics. We say to ourselves, well, everybody else has it. Well, that's okay, isn't it? Or there'll never be a sale like this sale again. Or uh, this one, uh, kind of like, look how much money I can save if I buy it now. Haven't figured out the time and interest they're going to pay on it, right? Somebody put it this way. Canadians buy things they really don't need with money they don't even have to impress people they don't even like. <laughs> so when you see something you really like and don't have the money for it, say no. Then start saving some money, and when you get enough money, buy it. Okay? Consider lifestyle adjustments, seek counsel, learn to trust in God. Remember, Jesus said to that rich farmer who pulled down his barns and built greater ones, life doesn't consist in the abundance of things that you surround yourself with. Like, you like this, so you buy it, you buy it, you buy it, you buy it. There never comes a time when there isn't something you like to buy. Because things, possessions, don't bring contentment. They don't bring satisfaction. That comes from a relationship with God. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. So learn to trust in God. Our neighbor, a very important player in our life. Uh, Did you know that Christianity actually taught the world charity? I want to go back to Matthew 22, where Jesus was asked, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want us to understand that God isn't really, I need to say this carefully, God isn't really interested in your, your wealth. Like, God doesn't need your money, okay? What what God wants is us to be rich towards him. What God loves and and wants us to understand is that uh, it's not money that's important to him. It's you that's important to him, okay? Um, It's interesting to me that in Genesis... We were made from the dust of the earth. Not what value there is, or dust of the earth. But that which made us of value to God is we were made in his own image. And that's why murder is so, um, so bad in God's eyes. Because everyone was made in the image of God. God isn't interested that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we have that. You know the parable of the, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son? It's kind of interesting to me that the parable wasn't on the lost coins or the lost sheep in plural or the lost sons. But it was written that, because, that way because God is interested in the individual. He's interested in you. Okay? And you'll, you'll find as you read that portion of scripture, when they were found, the coin, the sheep, the son, there was great rejoicing. And when you open your heart to the life to God, there's great rejoicing in heaven. See, where you are today is of, of importance to God. 
He is vitally interested. He's deeply invested in you. And he's vitally interested where you are, what you're going through, how you feel. Okay? Uh, Some of you here may be struggling with issues. Some of you here may be, you know, have physical need of of the touch from God, dealing with health issues. Some of you here may be hurting, lonely. Like, we all live in a, a hard world. We all face difficult situations. And I want you to understand this morning that God does love you. And we say that so, you know, flippantly at times, but you need to say to yourself, God loves me. In fact, why don't you stand this morning? I want you to grab somebody's hand. And I want us to pray for that person next to you, okay? Maybe they're dealing with issues. Maybe they're dealing with something that you you don't even know about. But God is interested in you this morning. And I would want you to reach out to God this morning on your own behalf concerning that which is bothering you, that which is you're struggling with, that which you're confronting. Because God is so interested that in you that he wants to help. So God, this morning, as we stand and we hold hands with one another, God, help us to understand that you care about us. God, help us to understand that you do love us. And that you do not leave us alone. You're always around us. You're always there when we call out to you. And so God we call out to you this morning. On behalf of the hurts. And the struggles. And the difficulties that people are facing in this room. God would you minister to them this morning. Not by my might or my strength. But God by your power and your divine uh, uh, riches. And your divine wisdom. And your divine Strength, oh God, would you minister into their lives today? God, we love you. Thank you, God, for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Please be seated. I want to leave this, this um, um, this verse from uh, Proverbs with you. It's possible to give away and become richer. Okay, let us sink in. It's also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the liberal man shall be rich by watering others. He watered himself. I need to move on. Plan for retirement. These guys had a plan. It wasn't working out very well, but what's yours? (laughs) Did you know that um, in 1961... 7% 7% of the population was over the age of 65, and 42% of the population was under the age of 19. They're telling us in 2031, 27% of the population will be over 65, and 14% will be under the age of 19. What's that really saying? Um, if you are planning are relying on CPP, Canada Pension Fund, to be your retirement fund, you're going to be disappointed. Okay? Did you know that Canada pays out the least to its seniors of the industrialized nations in this world? Canada pays out the least. So maybe planning for retirement should be something that 
you want to consider, that you should look at. And I'm, I'm going to give you a suggestion, and it's not the only, the only way to do it, okay? But uh, it's maybe a place to start. Start with an RRSP. On your notice of assessment, did you get back each year when you file your income tax? It tells us how much you can spend on an RSP. It's based on 18% of your previous year's income. This year till a maximum of $26,010. If you don't put that much in in a given year, you can carry the balance forward to future years. I like showing this to young people. I wish I had known it a lot sooner than I did. Age 20. If you start with $1,000 from an RSP, we're using 6% interest, which is probably close. We used to be able to use 10, but not anymore. At age 65, you'd have 239000 thousand dollars a year if you did a one-time investment of 10 grand <laughs> when i was that age pastor there was this 1956 oldsmobile <laughs> man it was a nice car <laughs> i remember driving it to the to the uh, uh, the dump actually a place the car old cars were dropped off and they gave me a hundred bucks for it if you did a one-time investment by the time you turned 65 you'd have one hundred thirty seven thousand. Okay, you're saying, well, I'm not 20. Let's try 45, 1,000 in a given year. By the time you turn 65, you have 42,000. That's better than nothing. When emergencies come, at least you've got something to pull from. If you started at 45, you did 2,500. By the time you turn 65, you had 105,000. If you started doing that when you're 35, you'd have 223,000. And I get the young guy who tells me, he says, what if I'm 25? What would mine look like? So I figured it out. By the time you turn 65, it would be about 435. Not too shabby. Listen, when you invest in an RSP, you get a, a tax deferral, plus you get a savings plan. Might be something to consider. Let me tell you, it's not the only way to do this. Uh, if you have an investor, make sure you check with him, okay? But it's someplace at least to start. Um, take advantage of compound interest. Now, compound interest is basically making interest on interest. And we used to be able to use a penny to illustrate it, but I found a chart now that I can use. The, the, the single interest is the lighter color. The compound interest is the darker color. And over five years, you see how much it has gained. You stretch that over 10, 15, 20 years. Compound interest works to your advantage. So young people... It doesn't matter how much you can set aside. It matters what you do set aside because you have the time factor that us older guys don't have to make that worthwhile. So start setting something aside as soon as you can. Now, if you're investing in mutual funds, historically, mutual funds are okay. Historically. Uh, What the future will hold, I don't know. Nobody does. But historically, mutual funds are okay. Um, but they are a risk investment. And so your financial advisor will say to you, um, I have you in a balanced portfolio. It means he doesn't have all your money in one place. He has it in a bunch of places. So if one doesn't do good, maybe the other one will. He's also done a risk assessment on you to see how much risk you're comfortable taking because the higher the risk, the maybe it could fall, okay? Uh, the lower the risk, is, it, it kind of cushions that fall a bit. So make sure you know what, if you're investing in mutual funds, make sure you, you do talk to your investor and find out his thinking and let him guide you through it if you're investing in mutual funds. 
If you're wanting to invest in the Lord's work, there's a couple areas. One is mortgage certificates. With this money, we build churches across Canada. Um, if you're older, there's what we call gift annuities. Now, gift annuities are kind of an interesting uh, vehicle in that they not only provide regular payments for you, but for the life of your spouse. Um, the interest rate is based on your age. So the older you are, the higher the interest we can pay you. And uh, a large, if not all, uh, all or a large portion of the uh, interest you receive is tax-free. And I'll run from this, uh, but just give you an illustration. Uh, If you're 72 years of age and you want to do a $10,000 gift annuity, our charts would tell us that we can pay you 6.5%. It also says that 85% of that interest you receive is tax-free. So if you were to take that 10 grand outside and invest it somewhere, you would have to get 95 to 10% to equal what we can pay you. So it's kind of an interesting vehicle. You may want to consider it. Um, um, then we have what we call the charitable foundation. Now, um, this charitable foundation was is illust- uh, talked about by David Hazard, and I'll let him talk to you for a couple minutes. Let me speak to you for a moment about the PAOC Foundation. This is a new initiative of our office, and we became aware that several PAOC individuals and families would benefit from a foundation where they could direct charitable funds, receive a donation receipt in a given year, but distribute the funds in the following years. The PAOC Foundation enables individuals and families the ability to fulfill their charitable vision without the legal cost and annual administrative costs of establishing and maintaining a private or family foundation. We would be glad to speak with you about the PAOC Foundation if you or others you may be aware of are interested in learning more. Now let's go on to the final touches. Interesting words in this area is this. While you are still here, you may need what we call a substitute decision maker. If you become in unable to make decisions on your own. Um, You need to have somebody who will make decisions for you in two areas. One is the area of finance. The other is the area of personal care. Now, um, we we can help you in that um, area, uh, power of attorney uh, for property and health care directive. You would need to make sure you understand and talk to the people you want to be involved. See, power of attorney documents are basically only in effect while you're alive. Wills only come into effect when you pass away. They don't overlap, okay? So you need to make sure you you do have these documents. Now, the guy said to his wife, just so you know, um, I never want to live in a vegetated state dependent on some machine. He says, if that ever happens, just unplug me, okay? And she says, okay. <laughs> well, it wasn't quite the good of that machine. <laughs> now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're missed that appears for a little while 
and then vanishes. The Bible has kind of an interesting way of confronting us with reality, doesn't it? Like, life is only a part of the story. Our journey here is only part of the story, okay? But while we're here, we need to make sure we take care of these situations. In fact, stats tell us that three out of ten adults have a prepared will. Many say they don't have enough money to make a will or think they're going to die if they write one. I run into that one all the time. People say, many say wills are only for older people. There's plenty of time is an excuse I hear all, you know, a lot of the time. And I say, yeah, right. If you need a will, uh, if you're over the age of 18 in Manitoba, in a couple other provinces it's 19, but in Manitoba it's 18. If you're recently married or divorced, you need to update your will. Marriage and divorce nullifies the previous one. If there's special family concerns, uh, it can be reflected in a will. Um, I found out that, that RESPs, if seniors are, have uh, RESPs for their grandchildren, they need to make sure that is covered in their will. Um, if it doesn't reflect your current thinking, you should look at your document every five to seven years because things change over time. If it doesn't provide for the Lord's work or if you're a new parent, all good reasons to make sure you have this document. Advantages of having a will? Avoids family conflict at an emotional time of loss. Uh, I know of loving Christian families. Became not so loving, not so Christian. Because mom and dad left nothing written behind and the estate wasn't really that big. Um, Controls the way assets are distributed. Uh, if there's minors, a, a trust can be set up for them so that they don't get it all when they're minors. That they, they get it throughout their lifetime. Uh, provides for special circumstances. Here's the one. Secures the future of minor children by naming guardians and trustees. If you're parents of, of minor children and you don't have a will and you both go at one time, your kids become the property of the court and the court will determine where those kids go. Um, it may not be the same person you have. It may be, but you have no guarantee. So that could be looked after in a will. Allows you to make some provision for some of your assets to go to the Lord's work. And you can save estate money if you have a will. If you died intestate, that is without a will, the government of Manitoba has a document for you. Um, you probably wouldn't like it because if one spouse goes, um, 50% of that asset go to the spouse. The other 50% goes to the kids. And if there's not enough to pay out the kids, the primary residence would be sold. Okay, so um, And then things are tied up for years. I mean, years. So it's important that you look after these documents so that you, you, know, you don't run into a lot of hardship and, and grief. If you want us to help you with a will, here's what we would talk about. Who would be the executor of your estate? Who would carry out your instructions? Of course, if you're married, it's your spouse. But you also need to, need to name a, an, another person, an alternate, in case you and your spouse go at one time. And that alternate is not obligated to carry out your instructions if, you, if they have not given you their permission. Okay? So you need to talk to that person. Who will be the guardians of your minor children? Better you pick somebody than the court. What ages should your assets have the, uh, 
should be distributed to the children. Do you want some of your assets to continue to support the Lord's work? Will you do it yourself, get some assistant turnover lawyer? All good questions that need to be answered. We do two types of wills. One type we call the traditional will. And I'm taking a lot of leeway just to try and make it simple for you. We use a $200,000 estate because that's the average estate across the nation. And when one spouse goes, the fees of executing an estate are about 5%, so off would come ten grand. We're assuming that the surviving spouse just lives off the interest of that estate, doesn't use up any of the, the principal, but when that spouse goes, another 5% would come off. So after both mom and dad have gone, what's left of that estate is 180500 And if they have two children, each child will get 90250 Okay, That's what you call a traditional will. One spouse to the other spouse, after both go, then to the kids. Now, how long do you think it takes a beneficiary to spend his or her inheritance? That which you've laid aside over your... 75, 85, 95 years. They spend it, they tell us, in six months. Yeah. All those nice things that, whatever, right? Now, we also do what we call the charitable will. Let's use the same size of a state just so you can kind of make a comparison. In our document, we say when one spouse goes, everything goes to the other spouse. Like you want as little disruption as possible. But when the surviving spouse goes, off would come 5%, the fees would come, and off comes 10 grand. Now, we're encouraging our people across the nation to consider the Lord's work in writing up their will. Like the kingdom has all kinds of need. And it could use some of that money to help the Lord's work. In fact, like our, our obligation, our mandate is basically reaching lost people everywhere is planting and building churches, uh, equipping and training leaders, caring for orphans and widows and feeding the hungry. Like, we have a large mandate to take care of, and the money that would come from an estate could be of great help to the kingdom. Let's go back. So off will come 20 grand. Now, what's left of that estate is 170,000. Each child, if there's two kids, each child would get 80,000, 85,000. But the government kicks back into your estate a tax refund of about $8,000. Break that in half and add it to the bottom. You see that your children get very little less. See, what happens is this. On the death of the second spouse, all the assets and income has to come into the estate account. Any income on that year is taxable. We're finding that up to 50% of estates are going to, to the government because people are dying with large RRSPs or more than one property, so capital, capital gains. And so maybe helping to offset some of that would be a help to you, and a charitable will would help you do that as well. But let me talk about charitable will just for a minute in closing. First of all, it recognizes the blessing of God, and God has blessed us. Express a personal philosophy of life that includes others. Listen, God wants you to take care of your own. But here's an opportunity also to reach other, for others. And that's what we talk about, you know, laying up treasures in heaven. Um, a charitable will demonstrates values to family members left behind. Provides a sense of self-satisfaction as you live out your days of service. Not only that, Revenue Canada works for you. <laughs> and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I've covered quite a bit of material, okay? 
Let me just say something before pastor comes up and closes. Uh, if I've said something that you're unaware of or question, talk to your financial advisor. Talk to your lawyer, okay? Make sure you get these things settled in your mind. If you feel that we can help you and we're here to do so, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. And if you want to, you know, work on a will or power of attorney documents or just talk about your finances, uh, we'd be happy to sit down with you in a confidential appointment here at the church and, and work those things through with you. There's, there's no charge involved. And uh, uh, we'd be happy to set aside. In fact, uh, I understand that the sign-up this morning has been quite extensive. And so um, get out there and sign up as soon as you can. We'd, we will try and serve everybody who signs up. Um, Pastor, thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate being here. And, um, Clarence, let's give Clarence a, a hand. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. Bless you. God bless you. It seems that our first, uh, from the first service, the people that were here, they filled up all the slots, and Clarence was good enough to say, well, we'll open up next week for you. So, folks, if you want to get a will done, by the way, if you go to a lawyer to get a will done, you're going to be paying $1,000 for that. And, uh, and by the way, no, you're not being forced. We're not telling you you have to donate to the PAOC, to the church, or anything. It's entirely up to you. But you do need to do a will. This is good stewardship. And it shows a great respect for your family. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, as we, uh, as we go from here now, we thank you that, that we, are, we are called to partner with you to be stewards in doing your work and making a difference in this world. Part of the stewardship includes taking care of what you've given to us, including our children and our family members and, uh, and obviously the kingdom of God. So, God, we commit ourselves to you now, thanking you, Lord, for the service today and thanking you, God, that uh, we, 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 have these, we have these tools in front of us that we can use, Lord, to, to, to manage what you've given to us. So we pray that in your name. Everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, go sign up for a will.